Hello, and welcome back to the Cricket Associates, the podcast that talks exclusively about associate cricket. And, wow, what a few days it has been. First of all, I think that it's safe to say that the absolute enormous shock was Namibia beating Sri Lanka. I mean, that was such a sensational victory. I thought Namibia probably actually got the easier group to get out of. I thought they uh, just need to beat the Netherlands and the UAE. And they've got a good chance of going through. I didn't expect them to not only beat Sri Lanka, but beat them by such an enormous margin. I think that Scotland have really taken the battle to what I think has been quite rightly called the group of death. But we'll go for this in chronological order. We'll start off with Namibia. And and what a seventh wicket partnership it really was. You've got David Visa and Gerard Erasmus already out. You're... 93 for 6. It's not looking good for Namibia. This is the sort of situation that Schranker would have loved to get them in. They're 14 overs in, only scored 93. It's a pretty manageable target. And you've only got to get four more wickets. You've got a good chance of bowling them out cheaply. Maybe sort of 120, 130 they're looking at. And what a sensational finish from the likes of, uh, from the likes of JJ Smith. 31 off just 16 balls. Two fours, two sixes, and Jan Frylink, 44 off 28. And was eventually <laughs> run out off the last ball of the innings. And I really like that attacking intent to go for, you know, steal that extra run. You never know when it might come in handy. And it didn't matter for the exact result of this game, but for the net run rate, that's going to be absolutely sensational. And then he pulls it out. Second innings. Takes two for 26. Like, like it's no big deal. This cricket malarkey is easy, isn't it? But to bowl out the Asia Cup champions for 108, that is a very big statement of intent. And and crucially, one aspect that I absolutely love from this Sri Lankan innings, and I'm definitely going to butcher this name, Lianagamagi, apologies, run out without facing a ball. The worst case scenario, you're desperately trying to eke out some late innings runs you're sending out your number nine and doesn't even manage to get a run on the board an absolutely dismal performance from Sri Lanka but full credit to the Namibian bowlers they just in terms of extras conceded only two wides it's not a particularly bad bowling performance so you've got three bowlers all of whom went at under six runs and over I mean Gerard Erasmus worst bowler in terms of economy, went to eight. Not even a particularly bad score. If all the Namibian bowlers had gone at eights, still would have won by three runs. And that is a real statement. I think that the Namibian cricket board is absolutely right. There does need to be more cricket for the associate nations. You have to look at Scotland. They've only played two T20s against New Zealand, who I said last episode. They were a very tough opposition. And what Scotland was getting something out of that, I think that it would have been much better if they'd had Kyland. They've had 20 T20s this year. That's that's going to be so much better for their preparation. Sure, Scotland have been playing all of their 50 over games, but what a difference it could be. I mean, imagine the margin of victory if they had received that much more. The idea of the T20 prize series involve, you know, when a team's touring South Africa, getting Namibia involved. I'd also quite like to see that extended out to Zimbabwe because, you know, they're sort of What's that they are a full member nation, they can play test matches, 
I think it's safe to say that the way that the ICC treats them, admittedly, you know, part of it is steward the way that, you know, sort of government interference with the cricket board, which I'm by no means an expert in, so I'm not going to comment on the precise nature of Zimbabwean politics. But I think that Zimbabwe getting involved would also be great for cricket in the area. And that might help other associate teams go, oh, actually, if we if we start improving our skills, we can start getting invited to that. I think that England is an absolute prime example. We've got three nations around us that are either associate nations or, from the way the ICC treat them, associates in across Scotland, the Netherlands and Ireland, who I'd personally like to see play an awful lot more cricket. Many years ago, I had the idea that you simply mandate that over, I'm going to say, for the sake of argument, a six-year period, all the full member nations have to play one test, three ODIs and five T20s against all the others in bilateral series, home and away. I don't think it's an enormous ask, because I think that you know pretty much all test nations border another, with the exception of the West Indies. I think that that would allow the likes of Afghanistan, Ireland and Zimbabwe to actually play a lot more regular cricket. The Future Tours programme, it, it's alright, but I think that, you know, why not also include Scotland and Namibia and the likes in there too? If Pakistan ever does have to play games out in the UAE again, which, you know, I sincerely hope for Pakistani cricket that it doesn't, I, I'd personally love to see them playing the likes of the UAE and Oman, who were at the last, well, who've been at the last two World Cups between them. Getting the Associated Nations involved would be brilliant. I mean, who wouldn't love to see, at the Riverside, Australia taking on Scotland? Because I think that, you know, if Scotland know that they're going to be getting those fixtures regularly, well, that's a, a bit of guaranteed income. Now, you can argue that maybe the ECB would be a bit selfish and take far more of the revenue and not really dish out much to Scotland. But I think that it could make a real difference to just to get that opportunity to play those bigger teams more regularly. Because whilst Scotland's got to play its Cricket World Cup League 2 games, I think that it's safe to say that the games against the likes of the USA and Papua New Guinea aren't going to pull in enormous cricketing crowds in Scotland. However, if you're starting to play Australia and the West Indies on an even somewhat regular basis, I think that that could start pulling in quite considerable crowds. One thing that I'd be quite concerned about is that series in that series playing against Scotland would effectively become viewed as warm-ups for England. But I think that at this point, with how how little cricket they actually get to play against the uh, full member nations. I think that that's a, st- a stepping stone. I think that long term it's not sustainable, but I think that if it gets more cricket into Scotland at the moment, I think that's no bad thing. But anyway, on to Scotland, who again produced a fantastic game. I thought, oh, you know, they're going to. Uh, all, all the stats suggest that chasing is better in T20s, but I was uh, listening to the TMS coverage and it was actually saying that. In tournaments, it goes the other way. It's runs on the board that really improve things. And I think that it's quite telling that, you know, 165, when you're taking on the likes of Jason Holder, Nelzari Joseph and Kyle, Kyle Myers, it's a very impressive statement. 
and not least for Richie Barrington to hit it onto the roof at Hobart. I know that Hobart's maybe not necessarily the biggest ground, but that's a <laughs> that's quite the remarkable statement. It's uh, Liam Livingston-esque. And then, I'm, I'm a Derbyshire man myself, seeing Mark Watt absolutely rip through the West Indies is absolutely sensational. I mean, three for 12 or four are sensational figures. And all the while, he was doing it from well behind the stumps. I do not understand why that man bowls the way he does, but he, it works when he plays for Derbyshire, and it works when he plays for Scotland. And if you can be uh, claiming the scalps of Alzari Joseph, you can bowl the likes of Brandon King, just when you're thinking, oh, maybe the game's going to slightly get away from us, taking it to 58 for three, it's all of a sudden giving you that opportunity, and it allowed the likes of Leeskin Wheel to take out the next few and stop any partnerships from building. But yes, I think that this is going to be a very exciting group. I think that with Zimbabwe's win over Ireland, I think that Ireland know that they are going to struggle here. They have beaten the West Indies in that ODI series at the start of the year, but I think that Scotland know that with their run rate, they're in a strong driving seat, and I think that a win over Zimbabwe or Ireland, even a comfortable loss, is probably still going to be enough for them to definitely progress. Who knows, maybe even progress as group winners. I think that, similarly, Namibia, thanks to the Netherlands only just squeaking past the UAE in a in a low-scoring thriller is just what this tournament needed. All of a sudden, Sri Lanka now, they need to beat the Netherlands and the UAE, and they need to beat them comfortably to get out of it. I mean, who wouldn't love to see Namibia and, based on the current results, the Netherlands taking it through into the Super 12s? Obviously, with the World Cup expanding, I don't know exactly how the qualification is going, but you know, if Sri Lanka are having to qualify, but likes of Namibia and Scotland aren't, that's going to make a real statement. Now, as I said, I was focusing on the Men's T20 World Cup because that's just happened, but I think it's time that we rewind a little bit and have a little look at Thailand, because in the Women's Asia Cup, they did indeed get to the semi-finals, and I thought it was perhaps a little bit harsh on Bangladesh, the fact that their game against the UAE was completely rained out, which meant that the UAE had claimed um, it claimed an extra point when Bangladesh would have healthily overtaken Thailand with their net run rate, but but ultimately they would have still only won three, lost three, exactly the same as Thailand. So sure you're doing it with a better margin, but ultimately. That's just the look of how things go. Sometimes the rain kills it. I mean, the 2019 World Cup in England, that was an absolutely horrendous situation where three games were all rained off. You have to just accept that and you've got to make sure that even when you're going to lose, you've got to keep that net run rate into a decent position in case more games are rained off. You've got to put yourself into the strongest position possible. Bangladesh, they only beat... Admittedly, comfortably, they did beat Thailand and Malaysia, but you've really got to make sure that you're trying to... But the likes of Bangladesh would like to think that, that they should be beating Pakistan. And so I think that 
you know, Thailand, ultimately, <laughs> you can argue they got a bit lucky here, but Bangladesh the ones going to the T20 World Cup, not them. So I think that it's safe to say that this balances out. However, you know, one thing that is quite concerning is the fact that Thailand couldn't really put up a fight against India. I think that, you know, it is the same sort of issue that Namibia were complaining about is the lack of games. Thailand went from the 2020 T20 World Cup and didn't play a game until the 2022 ODI World Cup qualifiers back in late 2021. So they went 18 months without a single game. And if you're not playing cricket that regularly, you're never going to succeed. And then again, they didn't play any games until the T20 World Cup qualifiers in 2022. And so it just really shows when you're playing the likes of India, you can get away with it against the likes of Pakistan, who are much younger teams that don't have as much experience. But these India women, most of them have been playing international cricket for a long time, going out to the Big Bash, playing in the 100. These are opportunities that the Thai women just haven't had. And personally, I would like to see more tournaments embracing associate cricketers so for example not requiring maybe associate nations they don't have the same international restrictions that other countries do but I think it would improve the associate nations such as Thailand but yeah so an excellent start to the men's T20 World Cup and a very sad end in the Women's Asia Cup for Thailand but I think that associate cricket is really taking off and really making a name and is making a name for itself across the world stage and I'm very much looking forward to the next T20 World Cup games. Namibia can basically qualify as if they beat the Netherlands tomorrow and the UAE maybe they're hoping for another upset. I think that if the UAE beat Sri Lanka I think that that might just be them going home. And all of a sudden, we've got an exciting group where the full member nation doesn't even get out of it. I, th- I think it's unlikely. I think that Sri Lanka will really turn turn on the Jets against the UAE to try and compensate. But who knows? We, we can but dream. Thank you for listening. If you uh, have any questions or just want to get in contact, email at cricketassociatespodcast at gmail.com and I'll be with you at some point shortly in the future. Goodbye.